Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. time at 10 amen so that's kind of the month and just a, a span i'll try to get that out there so you can see it are yet psalms chapter 15 okay you are i suppose <laughs> psalms chapter 15 want to start with verse number one and this morning going to read the whole chapter it is brief we'll probably be here for a few weeks amen the bible says david is speaking and notice his addresses to the lord He says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly. You notice there's the questions and now there's the response. He that walketh uprightly worketh righteousness, speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. For the next few Sunday mornings, when we have it here in the month of December, our series is called Reserved Parking. It's called Reserved Parking. And today, my subject matter is residents and guests only. Reserved Parking, residents and guests only. Amen. Here this morning, let's ask God to touch us anew and afresh here today. Father, I come to you this morning. God, I'm grateful, Lord, for your presence that we have, Lord, felt, Lord Jesus, in these songs today. God, I'm so thankful today for that. God, I pray, Lord, you move upon every heart, every mind, Lord Jesus, in this place today. God, we want to be sensitive to the will of the Spirit, God, here this morning. God, speak to us, Lord, collectively, individually. I pray, oh, Lord, address us, Lord Jesus, God. Lord, help us, God, in our everyday living of life. And we will not fail to thank you and praise you for what you accomplish and for what you do in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen the church say amen amen you may be seated this morning in Jesus name that is a courtesy and not a command here today have you ever entered a parking lot that had signs indicating that the lot was reserved for residents and guests only or have you ever entered a parking spot not a lot but just a spot Have you ever entered a parking spot with a sign saying that it was reserved for someone or some purpose? Reserved parking, from the definition of reserved parking, may be retained for a resident or a guest of a particular, per se, housing complex. The goal of the reserved parking is to ensure that these people always have a place to park. And it's also to ward off any unauthorized vehicles or any unauthorized individuals, for that matter. The parking is t- 
typically secured for the people who may work at that place, live at that particular property, or people that in some way contribute to the establishment. Some way contribute to the establishment. Some reserved parking this morning is by parking permits only. You have to have a parking permit in order to be able to park in that lot or per se park in that spot, meaning that this person, whoever it may be, this person has paid an agreed upon amount to have the privilege of parking in a designated spot without anybody questioning them, without anybody giving them any headache or concern. And it's in this agreement that they have agreed to, it's in this agreement that a person just cannot park in any empty spot, all right, but they can only park in their designated spot and that they have made an exchange, usually money for a renewable fee that happens annually each year. They've made some type of exchange for it. And finally this morning, reserved parking, uh, when we talk about it, it is, it, is, it is protected by those parking permits that people have in so much that their permit is not transferable. The permit is not transferable many times, meaning your payment cannot secure a spot for somebody else. Your contribution, your exchange cannot, cannot by no means secure a spot for somebody else. And might I even, uh, the little footnote many times is this, many times not even for 10 minutes for somebody else reserved for you and you alone you made the exchange you made the contribution this morning in our bible lesson here this morning in psalms david tells us in essence through chapter number 15 that we can reserve a spot in the presence of the lord that we can reserve a spot in the presence of the lord while we are walking right now upon this earth Amen. And while we're walking on this earth as a guest, we can reserve right now a spot in the presence of the Lord. But not only now, but even later for someday, whether by death or by rapture, that we're translated from this life to the next life, we can reserve a spot right now in his presence as being a resident. As being a resident of heaven if, David says, we meet the proper requirements the proper qualifications. And he sums up chapter 15 saying this, whenever an individual meets all these qualifications that we'll get to in the weeks to come, when he meets this criteria, that individual, he that doeth these things shall never, never be moved if he meets the qualifications. If he meets the criteria, if I could say it like this, he has reserved parking in the presence of the Lord. The first verse has a couple of questions in it. It says, who, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? I would also like to read that from the Jerusalem Bible. If you ever hear me reading from another version of the Bible, that's probably the version I'm reading for the next year. I've already started on next year uh, Bible reading because I already got done with that in November for reading it this year. And so I'm reading now the Jerusalem Bible. And it says it like this, Yahweh, who has the right to enter your tent or to live on your 
holy mountain. Now we got to understand David in speaking to God about who has rights or who has privileges to be in his tent or his tabernacle or his presence. Amen. We got to contrast this with the previous chapter, Psalms chapter number 14, and it gives us a little understanding why David is asking what he is asking. Who is allowed into the presence, abide or dwelling in the presence of the Lord? And when you begin then to read Psalms 14, we understand why David is asking this. Because in Psalms 14, the Bible is describing the godlessness, the godlessness of mankind. As a matter of fact, it paints a picture of a society that is corrupted, a society that is degenerating, falling, if you will, or have fallen away from God. Allow me to read to you today the first three verses of Psalms 14. The Bible says the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if they were any that did understand. If there were any that did seek God, they are all gone aside, the scripture says. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. David is trying to search humanity, society, his day and, and generation. He says, I'm living in a godless generation. I'm living during a time when men have fallen away from God. There's people that's saying, and I might teach, preach, and do a little bit of it all this morning. He's saying, I'm seeing that there's people saying that there is no God. And these are corrupt people. Uh, the Lord is looking even from heaven, David says. Amen. And he's seeing if anybody is seeking him. If anybody's desiring his presence or his power or his unction. And when God seeks it out, he says they've all gone aside. They've all went astray. They're all together become filthy. There is none. Christ is saying, there's none that I can find that is good. There's nobody that is consulting me. Nobody is asking about God. He says, I'm living in an hour where there's nobody concerning themselves or asking about God. Nobody's seeking God. Nobody seems to care about God. And he says, so there is, there's no pattern to follow if you have an inkling of being interested. If you're a person interested in God, you're going to be, you're going to, it's going to be very slim following an example or a pattern because I'm living in an hour, David says, nobody cares about God. He says, I'm living an hour nobody's concerning themselves, but I don't have a pattern to follow. I don't have an example to follow because these people have gone aside. They don't even believe there is a God. And so he follows then in verse chapter, or chapter number 15, he's saying, God, if this is the condition of humanity, if this is the condition of society, who can access your presence? Who can enter into that holy place with the Lord? For that matter, Lord, what does, what does one look like? What is the character of one that is desiring you? Because I see people who don't, and so I see what their character is. But what does it look like for one to be desirous of your presence? Desirous of a sanctuary in your space and in your place. What does it look like for one to be one to seek God? David says, what does it look like? 
David has addressed this in another place throughout the Psalms more than one time. He addressed it in another place in the Psalms in a very much more general way, yet a very revealing way. He said in Psalms 24, verses 3 through 4, he said, here's the questions now. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The response he that have clean hands, we sing about it, song about it. He that have clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Amen. I believe it's important today to note that the one that has access to ascending unto the heel of the Lord to stand in the holy place is the one with clean hands. Everybody say clean hands. And pure heart clean hands speak of the external clean hands speak of the external you can see them they're out here they speak of the external but the pure heart speaks of the internal you can't see the heart but it speaks of the internal the qualifiers for ascending to the heel of the Lord and to the holy place of God access to his presence is not just clean hands but also a clean heart. It is the external and the internal that grants us, if you will, into his presence. A reserved parking space in the presence, if you will, of the Lord. Why is this so? The Bible bears it out in various places. We'll take one of the places from one of the Gospels of Matthew. Matthew 23 and verse 25 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Jesus calls them. For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter but within they are full of extortion and excess he says thou blind Pharisee clean first that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also he continues he says woe unto you scribes and Pharisees Hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited, whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Verse 28, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Listen to me. The problem in Jesus' day particularly with the scribes and the Pharisees, is that they were trying to have access to his presence with clean hands but impure hearts. The problem in Jesus' day with the scribes and the Pharisees was that they were trying to appear to be something they were not. The outside of the cup was clean. The outside of the sepulcher was white and indeed appeared beautiful on the outside. But the inside of the cup was full of extortion and excess. The inside within the sepulcher was unclean with dead men's bones. Look, though, what he told them in verse number 26. Look what he said unto them. He said, clean the inside of the cup first. Clean the inside of the cup first. Why? He tells us why. That the outside of them, everybody say maybe may be clean also. 
Now that happens in our natural lives through means of maturity. We mature in the Lord. And for that matter, let's get real practical. I know we have dishwashers today. Anybody still do dishes by hand? I have a dishwasher and I still do dishes by hand sometimes because they don't fit in the dishwasher. (laughs) Praise God, glory, amen. But with that being said, just practically, it's hard to clean. Let's imagine a glass or a cup. It's hard to clean the inside of the cup without the outside starting to get somewhat clean. You take that rag or whatever it is and you start shoving that down inside there. Inadvertently, that rag touches the outside or bubbles flow up over the outside. It's almost impossible to try to get an inside clean without some type of impact or effect start to happen on the outside. If you clean the inside, if you clean the inside, there is already some type of telling on the eye outside that there's something happening to the, the, the condition, if you will, of that glass. It started out dirty, but it's starting to become clean. Someone say amen. Now listen, if if you can clean the inside of a cup, let's say it's opaque, it's not clear, because that's kind of a a giveaway, right? Nobody's starting their walk with the Lord's transparent, so. (laughs) Let's say it's opaque. If you can clean the inside of the cup and you can't tell that it's even been started to be worked on from the outside, that's only because, listen to me, that's only because you have purposefully tried to avoid the outside from becoming clean. Hear me? And so the problem in Jesus' day, listen to pastor, the problem in Jesus' day is the problem of our day. But in, listen to me, and I want you to, you got to think here this morning, but in many times it is reverse. In Jesus' day, the scribe, we have these two, but the scribes and the Pharisees tried to appear righteous, and they were not. Some of the problem of our day, listen to pastor this morning, is there's some that tried to continue to appear worldly, but they've been redeemed. You hear me? But they've been redeemed. Both of the scenarios is somebody appearing to be something they're not. Hallelujah. According to David, according to David, he said the one that's granted access to his presence is the one, listen, the one that gets access to his presence, ascend to the hill of the Lord, amen, to the tabernacle of God. He said the one that gets that access is the one that has harmony between the outside, the pure, if you will, the clean hands and the inside, the pure heart. When there's harmony with the out and the in, he said that's the one that gets access to his presence. In other words, a clean outside and a dirty inside won't get it, but neither will a dirty outside and a clean inside get it. We got to appear who we are in the presence of the Lord. If you are a deceiver, just be deceived. But if you've been redeemed, go on and let that have an overflow in your life to every aspect of your life and just be who you are. Hallelujah. Because access is granted to those who are who they appear to be.
within reason, no doubt. I understand maturity. I understand progress. I understand process. I understand all of that. But in my opinion this morning, chapter number 15 or Psalms here is a very, very interesting chapter, rather a very important chapter in the book of Psalms. Because as you would read from verses 2 down to verse 5, you might start marking out a very rigid, defined checklist, if you will, of what the qualifications are to have access to the tabernacle, to the holy hill, to abide and to dwell there. But in reality, in those verses, there's more than just what we would call a checklist. So much more there. there it really provides, if you will, an overarching feel for what a person should aspire to or aspire for in order to have access, reserve parking in the presence of the Lord. Note here, that many of these phrases that you read from verse 2 to verse number 5, many of these phrases seem to apply to a person's character. You read about them and it's almost like character traits and behavior that we're looking at verses 2 through 5. Amen. But as the psalm explained in Psalm 24 and explained, it explained to us it's a proper, if you will, marriage of that character, that external and the internal. Amen. Make note today, make note that a godly character trait finds its origin in a person's heart. I'm not saying good character. People all around have good character traits. I'm talking about godly. Drop one O. <laughs> not just good, but godly. Add L Y on the end. Godly character traits find their origin in a person's heart. The Bible said in the Psalms of Mark 7, verse 20, this is the episode that, again, some of the scribes and Pharisees have come. They're, they kind of discuss it over Jesus' disciples because they have ate without washing their hands first. You remember that? And they said, Lord, what's the deal here? Your disciples are washing with un, they are eating with unwashed hands, and the law says such and so on and so forth. And the Lord basically tells these scribes and Pharisees, says, I want you to know something. That in reality, those unwashed hands is really not going to have that big of an impact upon them. That's going to pass into their mouth, go down into their stomach, and it's going to find itself into the draught, in their bowel. It's going to pass into their digestive system in the bowel. He says, so that's not really where it's at. So he tells them in Mark 7 and verse number 20, and he said, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. He said, from within... Out of the hearts of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these thing, evil things come from within and defile the man. Huh? In other words, what a man does is to tie to who the man is. What a man does, what a man's actions are, is tied to really who the man is. His actions will bear witness to the man's condition. His actions will bear witness to his true, real manner of life. So when we start looking at Psalms 15, the things listed in Psalms 15, what this tells us is this. And notice, I want you to understand today, and we'll get, I'll finish up talking about that. David is not asking this of, of a companion of his. He is not asking this of one of his children or his wife. He's not asking this of another king or an elder of some time gone back. David is asking this of the Lord. And the response comes from God. 
I mean, what better information can you get about having access to his presence when it's not me or anybody else telling you how to get there, but God's telling himself, if you want access to me, this is how you do it. And so that's what's going on here. So David is saying, the Lord is saying through David, the writing there in Psalms 15, if we do these things, this, this overarching field, character and traits, the external and the internal, David says we have an increased probability of entrance into the presence of the Lord. We have increased our chances of dwelling in the presence of our Lord. And it's, it's just my, and I don't call it foolish, but it's my impression today that any Christian... Any Christian would want to know how to increase or better their opportunities of being in his presence. Would anybody like to know how to have reserved parking in the presence of the Lord both now and then? Lord, just so good to me this week. I'm telling you right now. Now, the, the first verse, look at it. The first verse may seem to be asking one question. May seem to be asking one question two different ways. But listen to me. In reality, it's asking about two individual facets, aspects of his presence. In the first question, I want you to note the words abide and tabernacle. In the second question, I want you to look at the words dwell and holy heal. Now, back to the first question. The word abide in the Hebrew means sojourn or passing as a guest, a stranger, abide. So, so he's saying, who shall sojourn in thy tabernacle? Who shall be as a guest? Who shall frequent, not stay, but who shall come for a little while? And be, who, who can be a guest? Who can be a sojourner in thy tabernacle? But in the second question, the word changes from abide to dwell. Dwell in the Hebrew means a residency. A resident, a, a, a permanent, if you will, residency. And so in these two different words are the ideas, how can I be a guest in your presence, but also how can I be a resident? How can I visit there, but how can I become a permanent member of that, of that place? Someone say amen. See, and note, these two verbs, they relate to two, two different places, two different literal places, if you will. One, he speaks of abide. He speaks of the tabernacle. Dwell, he speaks about the holy hill. You'll remember the Old Testament history of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness or Moses' tabernacle. It was a, a place where God would abode and dwell and come down and visit. It was a mobile, if you will, house of God. It was made in such a way that it could be carried from place to place. It was a mobile structure that, that was a meeting place where God would come down and meet with mankind during their wonder, wonder, wilderness wanderings from place to place. Amen. Amen. 
And so the people were sojourning. And so the, the tabernacle was made to be a place that you visit. You couldn't stay because nobody could stay. They were constantly on a journey. They were sojourning. They were pilgrims and they were strangers. Due to the tabernacle's construction and its material, it oftentimes was pitched, but then it was removed. It was pitched and then it was, was removed. So it lent itself to a more temporal a temporal place. However, the temple, the temple of Solomon that was built upon the holy hill, if you will, in Jerusalem, it was known. They even said, let the ark of your presence rest there. Because it had been going from place to place upon the shoulders of priests here and there. They're sojourning. They're traveling. But now it's like we got the temple. It's made out of uh, uh, it's made out of material. It's got a foundation. It's firm. We're not picking it up to carry it anywhere else. And so now it's the resting place. Amen. It's days of traveling are over. It's a more permanent dwelling. Someone say amen. amen. Here's what I want you to know. When David asks, how can I be a guest at a temporal place? And how can I be a permanent resident at a permanent place? Notice that the Lord's response to David was not two separate lists of what it took to be a guest as a sojourner or what it took to be a resident as a permanent person at a permanent dwelling there were not two separate lists but they were both the exact same criteria it's the same criteria to be a guest in his presence as it does to be a resident in his presence someone say amen in other words there's not a different set of criteria or qualification for visiting the tabernacle as it is for being a resident of the temple someone say amen so David's relaying to those that are going to hear him. He's saying the stipulations for a sojourner, a guest, and the stipulations for a resident are the same. Now note, here's where David takes us because David's not just talking about a literal tabernacle. David's not just talking about a literal temple. He's talking about something a little beyond all of that. He's talking about our relationship to his presence. Our relationship as people living on this earth to the presence of God right now as a guest. And he's talking about our relationship to the presence of a God then when we die or raptured and we get to heaven. Because the writer of Hebrews even tells us and informs us that in the heavens, the true tabernacle, the Lord hath pitched and not man. What are you saying? We say it all the time. In funeral services and memorial services. At best as Christians on our journey. And on our trip here below. And for those that even went before us. We are at best pilgrims. And strangers. That are sojourning in a temporal place. And traveling in a temporal environment. We're strangers and pilgrims. But we're seeking the heavens. We are guests right now to someday become a resident then. Oh, someone say amen. The Bible, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. Hebrews 11, 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and went out not knowing where, whither he went. By faith Abraham 
sojourned in the land of promise. He was a guest in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He says, I'm a guest right now, but I'm looking for somewhere I can be a resident. But although I'm a guest, does not mean I cannot have access here, there, now into his presence. I can have access as a guest now, but I can have full access as a resident then. And the criteria for now and then is the same. I got to tell somebody here this morning, if you're expecting to make heaven your home, if you're expecting to have a mansion up there and walk streets of gold and go through gates of pearl, the stipulations, the qualifications, the criteria for that is no different than being a sojourner and a guest of frequenting the presence of the power of God right now. Someone say Amen. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country, they're talking about Egypt now, they're switching here. If they'd been mindful of that country of Egypt from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You hearing what I'm saying? Because the Bible says after they came out of Egypt, they all were belly aching. Let us go back to Egypt. We like the food better there. There were houses to live in. You brought us out here in the wilderness to die. The Bible says had they been really mindful of the country that they came out of, they would have had opportunity to go back. When you're always thinking about where you came from and looking at it with eyes of longing, they'll crop up opportunities for you to return. Because you'll find what you're looking for. You'll find a way back. But if you're looking for not what's behind you, but what's ahead of you, I'm looking for another country. If your eyes are fixed upon that, you'll see opportunities also how to get there, how to make it there, how to buy. Someone say amen. amen. He said they'd have opportunity to return. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Again, folks, the idea is this. What grants us access to his presence in heaven will grant us access to his presence here and now as a sojourner, as a guest. The qualifications now are just the same for heaven. There's no difference. In other words, if, if we expect to live as a resident of heaven someday, listen to me. If we expect to live as a resident of heaven someday, we best live as a person traveling in that direction now. The only difference between now and then is about the permanence of the visit. I get access to his presence now. 
because I tried to abide by verses 2 through 5. I'll have access to his presence then because I've abided by verses 2 through 5. But the only difference now is I'm just visiting his presence. Then I'm going to live. You can have reserved parking as a guest this morning, but you can be making preparations by your way of life of having a permanent permit, if you will, then. And if I can just tap back into the reserved parking thing is this, the parking spot's not transferable. Everybody say amen. Notice. Notice the man. I didn't give this to you, I don't think. Maybe I did. Matthew 22. Did I give that to you? Awesome sauce. We'll throw it up on the screen. Matthew 22 and verse number 11. Look at the, look at the story here. Verse 11 and 12. Just read it. I'll get the full context of it for you here in just a bit. The Bible states these words. It's there before you. Yep, that's what I wanted. Amen. I'm trying to find it in my Bible. And when the king came... In to see the guests. You see that? When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So what happened here, the Bible says that they went out, they had made a, a wedding feast, they invited some, there was excuses why people did not come. And so the king finally says, go up the highways and the byways, compel them to come in, get them to come in. And so he's having this wedding banquet, he goes around and what we derive from the scripture is, in order to have access into the wedding party, you must have a wedding garment. And so while he was there, he's seen someone that did not have a wedding garment. And so he's saying, how in the world do you think you can have access without a wedding garment? And so this man that enters in without, seemingly comes in without a wedding garment is called out then by the king. And the king saw this man without a wedding garment and he asked him, look what the scripture says, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? In other words, sir, you don't get here and then get a wedding garment. You get in here because you already had a wedding garment. That's right. Come on now. Oh God. Yeah. I don't reach heaven because on rapture day I all of a sudden meet all the qualifications. I get into heaven, but because before the trump ever sounded, I was already meeting the qualifications as a guest to become a rest. He says, What are you doing in here? He says, We're in the world. You need a wedding garment. And if you make it, in other words, if you make it here, it is because you already had a wedding garment. And might I say, it's one without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. It's going to be a glory. Yes, uh-huh. Qualifications are the same. They're the, they're the same. David understood this concept. David understood this concept when he cried out in Psalm 60. 1 and verse 4. There's a phrase there in Psalm 61 verse 4. Look at it there. That first phrase. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. Now from what we already learned, this seems a little contradictory for David to use the exact same words of abide, meaning sojourner, and tabernacle, 
the temporal place of God's presence for him to use those two words and then couple them with forever. Matter of fact, abide in tabernacle in this verse right here in the Hebrew is the exact same two words that are used in, in Psalms 15, our scripture setting. So it is the sojourner. It's the guest. It's the temporal place. Yet David couples this with forever. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. <laughs> but David understood. I think David understood the revelation. David understood that his abiding now in that moment will metamorphose into dwelling then. He understood that abiding, listen, that abiding in God's presence in this thing that we call time will translate into abounding in his presence in eternity. So he can say, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. In other words, he said, what I'm doing now is not only good for now, it's good for then. What I'm doing now is not only good for the temporal place, but the permanent place. What I'm doing now is not only good as a guest, it's good for a resident. So I'm going to do now what I'm doing now, so I'll have access to what I need to have access to then. Pastor McGee, Pastor McGee, I got a real deep question for you. What God, what do I need to do to reach heaven? Let me tell you, what you need to do to reach heaven is what you need to do to be a saint on earth. Come on, that's right. I don't have a nice little shiny gold dollar or coin to flip over to you and say, well, there it is. I'm telling you it every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. And as you abide in the temporal now, you'll dwell in that forever home forever. Amen. What do we tell, what do we tell our guests when they come into our home? Mom, whenever we had guests in our house, what's something typically someone will tell them? We tell our guests, why don't you make yourself at home? And so what are we saying to them in that moment? <laughs> you know you are a guest. But go ahead and act like you're part of the family now. We know you're a guest, but go on and act like a resident now. I'm looking across this congregation this morning. We know we're pilgrims. We know we're strangers. We know we're sojourners now. But go on and start acting like a resident of that place now. Go on and live and make yourself at home as though you're a permanent resident now. Psalms 5, verse 4. David kind of pulls back the curtain on the wicked, the evil. If I could say, he kind of pulls back the curtain on some of those that are leaning in toward godlessness that he even spoke of in Psalms 14. He says in Psalms 5 and 4, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. Now in 15, if he's telling us the qualifications for, he's telling us what the qualifications are for not having access. Here. Just go on about your pernicious evil ways because he's not going to dwell with you. And the flip of that is you're not going to dwell with him. 
The foolish shall not stand, he says. He used some of the same verbiage that David has used to talk about standing. He said, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight, God. So thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Verse 6, thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Verse 7, David switches. He's talking about all this. This is how you don't have access. But David says, bad as for me. The contrast. He says, bad as for me. He's not being arrogant. He's confident in who he knows and what he has followed. But as for me, he said, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in the fear, in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Again, thinking of that contrast of chapter 4, David denotes that evil will not dwell in his presence. Fools won't stand in his presence. But David says, I will come into thy house. Amen. Look, look, look. Look at the one he is referencing here. Can you put it back? Please. Look at the one he is referencing here. The holy temple. Again, not a literal place, but the permanent place. The heavenlies. He says, I will come into thy house. I will dwell. I will worship toward thy holy temple, that permanent place. David is confident. He's confident about dwelling in the permanent dwelling. He's confident about making it to heaven. Why? Because he abode. He sojourned in the presence of the Lord when he was a guest down here. He's confident of it then because of how he acted, how he handled himself, his manner of life down here. This is the preparation for the permanent dwelling. This is the preparation room right now. Stan, I'll, I'll hasten to a close. I'll close out here. We only made it to verse one. That's fine. We're worried about it. But this kind of gives us a good springboard for the weeks to follow. Again, I want to denote in your Bibles, in Psalms 15, I want you to please bear this upon your heart and your mind. David addresses these questions to the Lord. David addresses these questions to the Lord. In other words, he goes straight to the source, folks. He goes straight to the source. The response that he receives is not some second tier information. It's not something that he heard through the grapevine. It's as we say, it came straight from the horse's mouth. He asked the Lord and the Lord gives the response. So when the Lord is responding, amen, and, pen, and David with his pen is writing verses 2 through 5. What we are hearing is what the Lord answers. The Lord says, this is what one looks like. And acts like who desires access to my presence. This is what this person looks like that while they're on the earth acts as a guest and they come and go in my presence. This is what a person looks like and acts like who wants to be a resident of that heavenly presence. This is what one looks like. This is what one acts like. This is how one manners of life is like. Oh, no big deal. It is a big deal. This is not someone's estimation or guessing about it. This is God's decree concerning who has access now and then to his presence. You ever wanted to know? You just want to get straight up with God? God's being straight up. He's saying, Pat, and we'll get to in the weeks to come. Pat, 
It's this, 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 and this. If you can keep that a part of your life, he says, you'll have access now and then to my presence. So what I'm saying is for the next few Sundays, we need to lean in here this morning because what we're hearing is not hearing just how to live for God now, but how living for God now with this criteria will give us access even then. That's important. That's not something to shrug off. That's not something, well, that's just a good Sunday morning lesson. I am telling you how to be a guest in his presence now and how to be a resident in his presence then. And the qualifications are all the same. That's big stuff. That's big stuff. People come up with all these dynamic questions that they could just ask, you know, or if they were in the presence of someone that was noble or a prestige, just the right question you know you could ask. But God says, hold on. I'm going to set the conditions for your reserved parking in verses 2 through 5. And so in the weeks to come, what we'll be looking at, we're still in reserved parking. It's for guests and residents only. But what we note now is from here on out is that the qualifications are going to be the same. And that's what I'll be going through in the weeks to come. The list, the qualifications, the stipulations from God that he says, these are the rules for reserved parking. Whether you be a guest or whether you be a resident, these are the rules. These are the manners and means and ways of life for that. Folks, and if you go back this week, and I I challenge you to do so, go back this week and just start reading verses 2 through 5. Start acquainting yourself. God says he's got to walk uprightly. Start acquainting yourself with some of this stuff. He says he's got to speak the truth in his heart. Uh Uh-huh. Just start looking at him. He's got to honor the Lord. He's got to honor the fear of the Lord. God says, here it is. Here it is. I feel his presence here today. Hallelujah. Can we bow our heads in this, this auditorium this morning? Hallelujah. All across this place. I believe I'm talking to people in this place that absolutely desire to frequent and have access to the presence of God as they're walking alone as pilgrims and strangers in the land that we currently dwell that we frequent the house of God. We don't live there, but we go, and it's a touch and go. Even in times of prayer, it's a touch and go. We always have His Spirit with us, but it's just not as prominent or as dynamic as, as just living and abiding there. But there's a day to come that we will get to that. But all of the criteria, all of the stipulation, all of the qualifications are the same for now as they are for then. Hallelujah. If anybody would like to find Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.